Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to be with you. So glad you are here. And I'm glad my buddy Andy Frank is here as our guest worship leader this morning. It's great to have Andy with us. Andy and I get to serve churches around the country, finding uh, great leaders and coaching those leaders. But we love most of all to serve and be anchored in the local church. Me here at LifeBridge, I love being home. And Andy at his church in Christ Church of the Valley uh, in Phoenix. And that's a great friend of this church. And we also get to work with Keith, who was with us speaking last week. Anybody catch Keith and enjoy his message and his story? Amazing. I've known Keith for a number of years, and the more I get to know him, the more I learn that there's much more to that story. And he is a living, breathing example of God's amazing grace and canceled debt. So it was great to hear that story last week. I'd also like to uh, make mention of, a, of another group of people in our church community for obvious reasons. If you currently serve or have ever served in any branch of the U.S. military in honor of Veterans Day, would you please stand so we can appreciate you this morning? We are so grateful for you, proud of you as part of our church community, and may we never take for granted, the, for, for granted the freedoms that we enjoy in this nation and the price paid for those freedoms as we also remember families who are grieving the loss of loved ones who have paid the ultimate price for those freedoms as we observe Veterans Day tomorrow. Well, as we jump into the message, I have a question for you this morning. Have you ever felt judged, assessed, sized up, I'd be surprised if the answer was no. And you won't be surprised to know that in my lifetime, I have journeyed through U.S. customs and immigration more than a few times, and there's no better place to feel all of those things and to totally lose your confidence than at the end of a 24-hour journey across the world when your immediate future lies in the hands of a U.S. customs officer who may or may not be having a good day. I remember one time we'd uh, just finished a direct flight from Sydney overnight, me, Mandy, and the boys, and we're all looking like something the cat dragged in. I'm in my sweats with my Broncos cap on, and the customs officer just kind of looks at me up and down, and then he nods over one of his other colleagues, and his other colleague comes over. He, this one looks strangely familiar, and he's looking at me up and down, and Jacob, who's about six or seven at the time, he tugs on my pant leg, and he said, Dad, it's Ezekiel Elliott from the Dallas Cowboys. Obviously, look alike because I doubt Zeke needs a second job. But this guy, he continues to size me up and he says, So, you want to enter the USA today? I said, Well, I'd really like to. And he said, Well, there's only one way that's going to happen. There's only one way I'm going to stamp your passport today. I said, What? I'm like, oh, I'm all ears. And he says, Well, I'll stamp your passport on one condition. You find the nearest trash can and you throw that Broncos cap in it. Go, Cowboys. <laughs> to playing up the look-alike thing. Well, he did stamp my passport, but I did not trash the cap, although a few times this season I have considered it. I remember another time we were coming through and we've been asked all the questions and the officers got the, the stamp in the air and then he, he freezes for like 10, 20 seconds. And he gets this funny look on his face and he goes, does anybody here have bananas? Now, most of you know fruit is a big no-no. Customs and immigration, to which I say, no, none, none of us, 
None of us have bananas. Another 10, 20 seconds. Then he goes, funny, because I smell bananas. I said, well, we don't have bananas. So another excruciating 10, 20 seconds. Then he goes, we walk through and I look at Mandy and I say, what was that about? She sheepishly looks back at me and says, my hand lotion smells like bananas. Well, get new hand lotion. Department of Homeland Security, Immigrations, Customs, it's all about rules and regulations, and there is no better sound than that in the passport. And here's a couple of tips for nothing for free this morning. Be careful of your hand lotion and the caps that you're wearing. Have you ever felt judged or disqualified? Like somebody took one look at you and made their mind up about who you were or weren't. Or maybe somebody decided that you weren't good enough or smart enough or pretty enough. Or you hadn't done the right things or you weren't the right age or gender to get the promotion. Or maybe you you weren't the right ethnicity to fit in. That just got real. We've all felt it at some way, in some way, at some time or another, in big ways, in small ways. Some of us have encountered it early in life, as early as the elementary school playground when the teams were getting picked. Maybe even earlier in our family of origin. Or maybe those that grew up in the everybody gets a prize culture they experienced when they collided with the real world and it was a shock. Or maybe for you, you have felt it so many times in your life that you've just become numb to it all. Or maybe right now you're going through a season of feeling judged or disqualified, and it's a dry season. You feel like you're living in Death Valley, that place where nothing grows. You can't make anything happen. No matter how hard you try, you can't measure up, and you just can't win. Well, there's some words for you today in this next installment of the passage of Scripture from Paul's letter to the Colossians as we continue our message series against the flow that will hopefully help you not keep living in Death Valley. You see, at the start of this series, Matt talked about needing to dig into some tough stuff, needing to unpack some interesting Scripture. And I think he's, uh, he's reserved a particularly interesting passage of Scripture for me this morning. Thanks, mate. Last week, uh, Keith got to dig into a really great uh, part of the letter to the Colossians and tell his story out of that. And that's good because Keith was a guest. I'm not a guest. I'm part of the family, which means I've got to dig into the tough stuff. And I love being a part of the family most of the time. So as we dig back in, we need to remember that the Colossians were dealing with all kinds of influences. They were being flooded with all kinds of opinions and belief systems. And we've been learning about this word syncretism, which is, which is like a trip to Boston Market, not a fan. But instead of food, it was a philosophical and spiritual buffet line where you could pick and choose your own belief systems. You see, all kinds of things were being pushed, proclaimed, and platformed Opinions galore, and they didn't even have Facebook or Instagram. So they could pick and choose their own versions of religions and regulations and rules. And that's what we're going to dig into this morning. In other words, they were trying to sort out what was true. Hello, Boulder County, right? USA in 2019. Hello, world in the 21st century. So Paul felt compelled to write a letter to the Colossians to help them navigate the times. 
And we've been learning in this series that there's a whole lot of relevance for us today, right? As we work through the, the noise and the volume and the versions of truth that are thrown at us these days. See, here at LifeBridge, I've always been glad to be a part of a church family that's a safe place to hear a dangerous message where we can ask our questions and work out our stuff, where we're committed to coming alongside each one regardless of our situation and circumstance. And I want to hit a quick pause for a minute and say, yes, we see ourselves as a community, also a family, and we believe that our faith grows best when we serve together, which is why we always talk about serving here at LifeBridge. And so if you're not on the serving journey with us in some way, check out this link on the screen, hit it sometime, and please join us. There are so many different ways that you can serve. That you can serve. And maybe you haven't chosen to follow Jesus yet, and that's fine. We're glad you're here. Maybe you're checking out faith, learning about it. Doesn't mean you have to wait. Click and serve with us. Serving together is a great place to ask questions, to get to know each other, because we are committed to coming alongside each other wherever we are on the faith journey, whatever our situation or circumstance. So what's my situation? I'm a dad of a 10-year-old and a 12-year-old. Most of the time I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm glad to be a part of a community that seeks God's truth on the journey, and we don't proclaim to have all the answers we don't, but we do claim to know and worship the one who does. And he left us a helper called the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. And Paul called this the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the what? The hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present fully mature in Christ. And to this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. I am so glad I had that kind of hope and help because I am raising a middle schooler. So help me, God. I never knew it was possible to, spend that, to send that many texts in such a short amount of time. I think middle schoolers must hold the Guinness Book of Records for the most amount of texts sent in the least amount of time that say absolutely nothing. Exhibit A, what you doing? Nothing, fun, yeah, yeah, emoji, emoji. What are you doing? Nothing, fun, yeah, emoji, 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 emoji rant over. I'm so glad that I've got the hope of glory in me to deal with that. And my middle schooler has the hope of glory in him. And if you missed Matt's message on that part of the letter to the Colossians a couple of weeks ago, make sure you get online and check it out because you'll be glad that you did. Raising kids in today's age is a challenge. Like the Colossians, there are so many influences and I need God's grace and truth to do the best I can in community. I'm grateful for this one. And just like the faith journey, I'm learning in the parenting journey, there's got to be a balance of grace and truth. And we're committed to that here. Because after all, grace without truth can be dangerously permissive and truth without grace can be abusive. I've also learned in the parenting journey that you need to put relationship before being right. I've learned that in my marriage too. I've learned that in my, in my closest relationships. 
And so as we dig back into this letter from Paul to the Colossians, he's going to deal with some of this, but I got a warning. Humanity is basically sorted into two groups, right? Rule followers and non-rule followers. Who are the rule followers in the room? Come on, give me a show of hands. Yeah, own up. That's good. You have to own up because you're rule followers. I'm asking you to own up, right? I'm not a rule follower. I like to skip the line, jump the queue, weave in the traffic, nudge the speed limit. And I feel like some of you just judged me, but I'm going to let that go because Paul's going to deal with you in a minute. So Paul deals with the rule followers in this passage, but he also just messes with the Colossians when he writes these words in our text today. If you want to follow along, turn to Colossians chapter 2 in your New Testament. I'm reading 16 to 23, and I'm just going to read it in its entirety to start with. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon, a celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility in the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person also goes in a great detail about what they have seen. They are puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. They have lost connection with the head from whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. Since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why, as though you still belong to the world, do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These rules, which have to do with the things that are all destined to perish with use, are based on merely human commands and teachings. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. Whew, that's a passage of Scripture. Have a nice day. (laughs) This is kind of like an eat the frog passage for me. It's not something I choose to dig into and eat. You know, Mark Twain famously said that if the first thing you do in the morning is eat a live frog, you can go through the rest of the day knowing the worst is behind you. I wouldn't recommend it. He also said if you need to eat two live frogs... Best to eat the biggest one first, which in time management classes these days, eat the frog simply means to just do it. Thank you, Nike. Because if you don't, the frog will eat you and you'll spend the rest of the day procrastinating. Now, kids, this is a metaphor. Do not try this at home. And I procrastinated long enough today, so it's time to eat this frog and we'll do it one bite at a time. I'm going to start with verse 16 and we'll read it to you again. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink, or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. Paul's referencing Old Covenant here. He's he's referencing Old Testament law that was all about a list of things you need to do to be acceptable and clean in the eyes of Almighty God. Laws and rules you'd have to follow and keep to do that. More importantly, the false confidence people would get from judging themselves about how they were apparently keeping these rules and laws. And Paul described that as putting confidence in the flesh in Philippians 3, and we all do it. We judge ourselves and others by a list of things in our minds or boxes that we tick, like attended church today. Tick? Well done, you got that one ticked off. Or we judge ourselves and others, or we judge others and their hearts and their spiritual stature based on what we see them doing, what we see them wearing, 
what we see them drinking or eating or who we see them associating with. Guilty. It's the shadow side of humanity. And I love Max Licato's admonishing words about this. And to admonish means to speak truth into a difficult or untrue circumstance. He writes, look at yourself before you look down on others. Rather than put them in their place, put yourself in their place. After all, Jesus didn't put us in our place. He put himself in our place. That's a drop the, the mic statement right there, isn't it? Paul realizes all this when he admits, if anyone else thinks they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, the people of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. In regards to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness based on the law, I was faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. That was to the Philippians, to the Colossians in our text today. He writes, these are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. The reality, however, is found in Christ, and that's key to the passage today, and it's key to life, right? Because we are skilled as humans at living and believing all kinds of false realities. Paul's attacking a dangerous concept here called legalism. And legalism can be, can be a wolf in sheep's clothing. And it's a big concept to unpack. So I'm going to enlist John Piper's help this morning to give a definition to legalism when he writes, legalism means treating biblical standards of conduct as regulations to be kept by our own power in order to earn God's favor. In other words, legalism will be present wherever a person is trying to be ethical in his own strength. That is, without relying on the merciful help of God in Christ. Simply put, moral behavior that is not from faith is legalism. Ethics without faith is like truth without grace. Many of you remember the Prodigal God story, we, 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 the Prodigal God series that we did back in the summer when we dug into the story Jesus told on the Prodigal Son. It was a great series. And one of the many messages that Jesus was giving us through that story, and one of the most important, was that the morality of the older brother that had become an idol was just as much of an issue and an obstacle to knowing God as was the immorality of the younger prodigal son. And this doesn't mean, woohoo, let's go binge drink, hit up the dispensary on the corner, live it up, and then be found in Christ. Now, what Paul is getting at here is letting everything we do be driven by faith, seeking God because we genuinely love Him, and because we care about the spiritual well-being of those around us, it may mean that we abstain from certain things, certain food, drink, practices that may be harmful to ourselves and our faith in God and harmful to growing and building the faith of those around us. You know, I believe personally that the quality of your questions determines the quality of your life. And a great question to ask yourself when you're considering engaging in something or doing something you're not sure about is this. Is this harming me or harming someone else's faith? It's a powerful question. Is this harming me or harming someone else's faith? 
Because after all, nobody decided to experiment with recreational, dangerous drugs to increase their trust in God, build the faith of their friends, and enhance the health of their bodies. Motivation is the key. Another quick pause here to say, hardcore addiction is a totally separate issue. That's a whole other talk. If you are dealing this morning with the grip of addiction, please get help. Don't isolate. Don't try and overcome this on your own. Help. Let us help you get on the path to hope and healing. Come see us and talk to us after. This is about choice. When choice is concerned, it's all about motivation. So some choose to abstain from certain things. Some choose, for example, to totally abstain from alcohol. Others don't choose to totally abstain from alcohol. Judging one another based on whether we do or don't is not helpful. See, we could talk for the next 10, 20 minutes on, the do, on a whole list of do's and don'ts. Some would be obvious and some would be totally subjective. And I kind of think that's what Paul is warning us against in this passage. I love again what he says over uh, to the Philippians in chapter 2 uh, about the choices we make and about our very salvation when he encourages to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. And in Philippians chapter 2, 13, he, he writes, For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. You see, it's all the work of God. He does the working, he does the willing, and we work out what he works in. Back to today's text. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person goes into great detail about what they have seen and they're puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. Here Paul's referring to some of the spiritual food or false teaching on offer in the buffet line at Colossae, specifically the worship of angels at the time and strict rules around abstaining from certain things uh, for, for, for spiritual discipline. And he's getting it at another practice here called asceticism. And asceticism is total abstaining from certain things, uh, practices, even food and water to meet spiritual goals. And asceticism in its most unhealthy form brings, around, brings about spiritual superiority or false humility or the legalism that we talked about. Now, we could unpack asceticism for the next 10, 20 minutes as well. I'd probably lose you. And to be honest with you, I just have enough trouble pronouncing the word asceticism. And we don't see it around a lot these days. Maybe you do. But we certainly see the results and the symptoms of asceticism. Spiritual superiority. False humility. We don't have to look further than our smartphones to find it, thanks to the joys of social media that gift that keeps on giving. Social media is designed, as we've talked about before, to hook you, to feed your dopamine needs, which is why there's no page turning. It just keeps scrolling. And it breeds comparison. And we've talked about how dangerous comparison is and feelings of in inferiority when you see people posting about doing all the right things and often posting strong opinions about the wrong things. Now, please don't misunderstand me. I like social media. I'm on it. I love the connection. We just have to keep it under control because when the discourse gets unhealthy, it's damaging and it makes me wish again for real relationships and real conversations like, what you doing? Nothing. Cool. What are you doing? Nothing. Cool. Emoji, 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 emoji. At least it's harmless for now. And needless to say, 
And I'm going to, anyway, because it's probably the most important thing I'm going to say this morning when addressing this passage. Jesus is Lord. The way, the truth, the life, the only way to God the Father. Not angels or any other way. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Verse 19, they have lost connection with the head from whom the whole body supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews grows as God causes it to grow. Have you ever taken your eyes off the road while you're driving? Or off the ball when it's coming to you? Or off the prize that you're after? It never ends well. Never ends well. Here Paul is reminding us that the only hope for healthy growth in the body of Christ is to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Christ with me. Christ before me. Christ behind me. Christ beneath me. Christ above me. It's an excerpt from an ancient prayer called St. Patrick's Best Breastplate. Stay connected to Christ the head. Making rules and regulations the end goal is neither biblical nor sustainable. You see, you're never truly trusting until you quit trying. To make faith the focus just makes it fickle. Don't look at your faith. Look to Jesus. And remember, as Paul writes in this passage, that since you died with Christ, all of us died with Christ. In fact, in the paragraph before verse 16, he reminds us, and this is a passage that Keith so beautifully shared his story out of last week. He reminds us that when we were baptized, and we see it every month last week, we had a bunch over here, it's fantastic, that outward expression of that inward confession of faith. When we go down into the baptistry and we decide to do that and go down into the water and symbolically we go down into the water and die to our old lives and come up out of the water and raise to new life in Christ, we experience the full measure of God's grace and forgiveness and the warrant that the law, the law that Paul writes about, the warrant the law had out for our arrest is torn into because of what Christ did for us. And we are fully justified. So why, in verse 20, does Paul write, why do you live as though you still belong to the world? Do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These rules, which have to do with things that are all destined to perish with use, are based on merely human commands and teachings. You see, we've all been set free from judgment, yet we still judge ourselves and others according to the rules of the world. What kind of a story does it tell a world that needs Jesus and the hope of glory if we've received it, yet we don't live in it? Madeline Liangle writes, we draw people to Christ not by loudly discrediting what they believe, by telling them how wrong they are and how right we are, but by showing them a light so lovely that they want with all their hearts to know the source of it. Shine the light of freedom by living free, not by shooting on yourself, not by focusing on we should do this, or we should do that, we should not handle, we should not touch, we should not taste. Not by focusing on what we should and shouldn't do, but by focusing on Jesus. He is the win 
He's the win. So often, people who don't want anything to do with uh, Christianity, one of their favorite arguments is that the, the Bible is just a big book of do's and don'ts. My favorite response to that is actually it's an amazing book about who God is, the God of the universe, and how we can be more like him. And actually, it can save us from a whole lot of pain and hurt. And I'm all in on that. And from personal experience, when you truly fall in love with Jesus, you're so focused and busy doing the do's, you don't have time for the don'ts. And one of the big things I think Paul is saying in this passage is just simplify. Just simplify. So often we overcomplicate this with so many explanations and rules and stipulations and we use way too many words and we lose ourselves and others. Take a look at this. This day you fought with honor. This day you vanquished those that mean to smite us. The Dark Lord forged his enemies to reap their terror, but we persevered and slayed them forthwith. In the years to come, they will sing our victory song as we sung for our forefathers. Sorry. The Sorry. Sorry, guys. Uh, just one thing I thought I might bring up. Whatever is it, brother of the Watch? Fellow kinsman. Yeah, this. Honored knight of the third yeah, men. This is, is what I want to talk about. We are using way too many words, guys. How doth thou mean, proud warrior of the north? Brave son of yeah, the art. There. That's what I was like. We could really speed things up around here if, if we just cut down on the wordage. How so, brother of the cloth? Defender of the north. The th well, like in battle today, huh? um, when you yelled, um, I'm paraphrasing, but. Uh, noble horde, raise thy shields from yonder field of battle approaches. Is it thy mm -hmm. enemy's arrows? arrows? Yeah. yeah, next time, just yell duck. I reckon. You know, I mean, a lot, a lot of us died before you finished talking. So, not speak in such an elongated way for the, for the sake of the time. Exactly. Actually, and, and just while we're on the topic, we were just talking about this morning. Um, the tales that we tell, the one about the ring and the sh short, hairy foot people, mm -hmm. maybe that could be just one story, you know, instead of six, three-hour, unnecessarily long stories. Some merit you may have in your words, my brother. I see how my verbose retelling may elongate the... I don't, I don't think you, you do. No? Um, yeah, uh, even this, the, the victory speech you're making, I, I, I don't know, I, I just think maybe just say we won or something. You know, you guys, uh, yeah? Yeah. Your words have resonated deep in my mind, my brother. Again, I don't I think see. they, I don't think they have, because you're still, he's still doing it. Yeah. Yeah. We won! Yeah! There it is, friends. We won! Except so often, so often the victory gets lost in all these rules and regulations and stipulations. You see, Paul, Paul taught the principle of love, but he did not determine its applications with things like food and drink and other rules. Finally, in verse 23, such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship. 
with their false humility and their harsh judgment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. These things are not going to purify us or save us. Only the grace of God can do that. Listen to these words over in Titus 2. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age. While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for Himself a people that are His very own, eager to do what is good. So at the risk of oversimplifying and to sum it all up and to try that again, you ready? We won! Therefore, let us, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. You see, when we live in the world of rules, regulations, and judgment, we're living in Death Valley. We're living in Death Valley. Nothing is going to grow there. You know, something extraordinary, extraordinary happened in Death Valley, California, on the border of Nevada. In the spring of 2004, seven inches of unprecedented rain fell. And apparently underneath layers of dust and soot and dirt and even rock were a million tiny seeds and when that rain fell this happened grace is like rain that refreshes the soul and when we fix our eyes on Jesus the rainmaker stuff grows our love our compassion, our perspective, our worth, our purpose, our hope, our joy, our worship. Are you feeling judged, disqualified, inadequate, inept, dry? Let the love of Jesus and His good grace drench your soul this morning. Maybe you need to accept His love and His grace into your life for the very first time. Accept Jesus for the first time. You thought that what you did was too bad enough for Him to ever love you. It's not. You felt you were too far off to ever come to Jesus. You're not. You felt like you're not good enough. None of us are, but He is. We would love to chat with you this morning, pray with you down at the cross or out at the connection in the lobby. Or maybe for you, you felt pushed down for so long that your soul and your heart is so dry and closed off that you need prayer to help you open up and recommit to His love and grace afresh. We would love to have that conversation and pray with you after our time together in here. Because you see, the dominant theme of Colossians is the supremacy and the sufficiency of Jesus. He is 
It's one of my favorite moments in international travel is also in the customs and immigration hall. And it's when we're standing there and the customs officer has asked us all the questions and he or she has that stamp in the air and goes, looks up and says, welcome home. When we accept Jesus and his grace into our lives, our passport gets stamped. But as Matt reminded us a couple of weeks ago, it's not the sound of a stamp in a book, it's the sound of a hammer on nail, on wood, on a cross, and your name goes in the book of life. And there, were, there are things, statements there about your name that can refresh you today. Listen, forgiven set free, justified, saved, chosen, loved. Welcome home. Welcome home.